Good afternoon, and welcome to Explorations in Savitri with our brother, Dr. Alok Pandey. Namaste. We are covering the subject of the Creator and the creation. And I have a few lines I would yes. like to share to yes. open it. <clears throat> All here, where each thing seems its lonely self, are figures of the soul-transcendent one. Only by him they are. His breath is their life. An unseen presence molds the oblivious clay. So, of course, uh, not only very profound lines, very practical lines. Uh, I am reminded of a passage in the synthesis which uh, I used to feel that way, but it was like a turning point in certain respects, certain aspect of the yoga. So, Shobindu says that whatever the gift, from whomsoever you receive, and to whomsoever it goes through you, you must always do it in the consciousness that it is coming from the divine. The passage is much more powerful, but I am mm. just paraphrasing it in my own words. Uh, and it is coming from the divine. So for quite a long time, I started practicing it uh, that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. It's coming from this person, that person, but it's through this person or that person. It's essentially coming from the divine. Uh, so it was very beautiful. Uh, it cut off many of those aspects that we associate that, oh, it has come from this person, I have to return, mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. <coughs> At the same time, <coughs> it, <coughs> it took away that uh, sting of expectations because even when you are giving, you are not giving to the person, you are giving to the divine. Um, and then came that, uh, dawned the beautiful uh, realization which Mother has uh, already said so powerfully she says all love is a longing of the one for the one, the one. love is a mighty vibration which comes from the supreme and goes back to the supreme so we are just conduits or channels and our job is just to be faithful channels to that power in fact everything love strength peace comes from the one goes to the one so that you know, it's, very, it's a very liberating experience and the beauty of this experience is that it comes while you are engaged in life and in action. You can't have this experience in meditation. And when negative things comes to you, come to you, offer it's it. the same. Offer oh, it, offer yes. It. Yeah. Also behind that, so even behind the adverse and the hostiles, Mother describes a very beautiful experience in Agenda. She says, you know, the Pandit who used to come, Tantric Nilkant uh, Shastri. Yes, yes. So from Rameshwaram. Yes, yeah. from uh, yeah, Rameshwaram. Mm -hmm. So he once said that I'll do a special puja to encircle the titans. So mother describes, he says, you know, when he does the puja, he binds the titans by the power of the mantras. But the moment the effect wears off, they all come out. <laughs> you have bound them. You cannot do anything else. Then she says that she was studying the difference between this approach and the approach that comes from the vision of the one. 
And she says, when I looked inside, I saw even behind the darkest asuras, the presence of the divine love, which changes things. And so in Savitri, when he says, the demons sang. The demons sang with joy. That's right. For they knew their end. So this end of the demons is not the physical destruction. No. But the end of demonhood, a certain tendency in nature. And if we really, so rightly, if you see evil and all this, this springs from one root, the sense of division yes. and separativeness. Yes. And its perfect cure is the sense of one, the sense of unity and oneness. It's a marvelous experience because then you strangely, I mean, what you discover is that whatever you need, you will get. How the divine will provide and whatever needs to... Uh, but you should be engaged in... The same kind of life, it can't be done in parts that, okay, I become lazy and I say that whatever I need will come. Then you are engaged in the service of the divine and whatever you are giving into this world is done with no other motive, but as an action, going as an offering to the divine. Now you said something earlier, even in meditation you can't get this. You can't get this experience because in meditation you can't discover the... Oneness of the forces, you can discover the one consciousness, the one reality. But the oneness of the divine forces, which is so beautiful, especially, you know, I come from a background, I don't know how it is uh, other places, but in northern parts of India, you know, you have a very, uh, lot of this, this comes from the karma doctrine, who has given you what, so you must return back and, you know, in, in marriages people write, how much money came from whom and what. And so when you have to give back, you have to keep it into account, <laughs> which is so silly and stupid. And I personally used to revolt against this kind of approach. But it's so liberating when you discover that ultimately everything comes from the one. They are figures. And uh, before I read a passage, one story that I am reminded actually, you know, so much later something similar happened with some children. So, they were, you know, I asked during an interaction that like, what did you have today? I had breakfast. So, what was in breakfast? Idli. So, where did Idli come from? So, you know, they start Mm. saying rice, rice from the fields. What age children? They were around, definitely before adolescence, around Uh 10 to 12. Uh So, from the fields, farmer and then, you know, market through the man who is distributing it, uh, somebody has fest it. And then the grain of rice in which the sun, the water, the air, the field, everything has gone into. So at the end, one of the child remarked because the story was going too far. Then suddenly one of the girls, you know, this, she, she suddenly remarked, ah, so everything is there in everything, isn't it? So I said, yes, that's right. <laughs> I said, just modify it a little more. One is there in everything. <laughs> and you are right, yes. So once we discover it, then life becomes so interesting and so liberating. Uh, everything that we have today, even a small grain of sand, but we make the mistake of seeing the immediate person from whom. So instead of through, we begin to see from. And then we we get lost. We get completely bound to that. And we forget the deeper truth which is inside. That all is a figure of the soul transcendent one. And when death challenges Savitri, mm. telling, you know, that famous five word mm. sentence, 
Know also, he says. Know also. Knowing yes. thou shalt cease to live and cease to love. Yes. <laughs> and she says, when I have loved forever, I shall, I shall know. know. Yes. Love is the mystic cord that binds. So we were on, uh, you know, uh, there, there are a lot of passages which uh, reveal the uh, nature of the creator and his relation with creation. Last time we were speaking about this tendency to cut the two into two separate halves. And we do it in many ways. One is that there is an extraterrestrial creator who has arbitrarily created things. It gives us the sense of an, uh, you know, we start expecting from him impossible miracles. For example, that he will just uh, by magic wand change everything. But when we understand the creator has extended himself into creation, then things begin to change. Then everything becomes a process, not just an arbitrary miracle. So then the concept of somebody who is up there, who is judging us and, you know, we are either condemned to hell or rewarded in heaven. All these things begin to fade away because uh, uh, heaven becomes a veil if we don't discover the one and hell becomes a paradise if we discover the one. So this also used to, Excellent. I can share this uh, as an aspiration when people, when you are young, people try to draw you to this path and that path. And the famous uh, refrain is that, you know, my Babaji will give you Mukti. Mm. So I said, what happens after Mukti just for the sake of, no, no, you, you're freed from this. So then the next question was, was uh, where do you think the divine is? So he's above, he's everywhere. I said, even here, yes. So, why should I not enjoy his company even here? He is working here, poor fellow, with all this suffering and pain and all this. And I should run away from, you know, when he is working in the dungeon, in the mud and filth of human nature, then what kind of a love is mine that I want to just escape from this? So, this aspiration used to come to me that, uh, no, if he is here, I want to be here. If... 100,000 years he wants to work here. Otherwise, what is there? We are, we, were, we are already deep inside free. We were free. So it gives a totally new perspective to the entire, uh, you know, dynamics of uh, our life. And what I have seen is that even where people profess, like in Indian thought it's there that the divine is everywhere. Still, it's so strange that they speak about Nirvana, which I find mm -hmm. totally inconsistent. <clears throat> Either you say that the divine is not here, only there. Then speaking of mukti makes sense. Or you say there is no divine. Just be liberated like Buddha said. It's, it's mm -hmm. at least he is logically consistent and there is a practical truth inside it. But to say that the divine is everywhere and then want to escape. Yeah. Or you say that everything is illusion and then want to escape. Equally, you know, both are absurdities. So at some point this has come into Indian thought and I think uh, uh, time has come to amend it. To go back to the old heroic Vedantic thought that you know he is here, he is there, he is everywhere, and he is beyond the all. He is the all, and he is the one who alone is. And he is so, in us. He is in us. So, Mother says uh, that all of us, I say this to everyone, have been with her many, many times. Yes, yes. In order times. to even to be here at this moment, yes, yes, we have had to have many, many births. Yes. With her. You have shared the struggle, my children. You shall share the victory. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
So we come to this, uh, you know, we page. were on page 657. So I, I thought before we go to some other passage, let me just continue with this. Um, another thing which makes it difficult for us to understand um, the divine is uh, that we divide life into bright and dark. Now this distinction is, uh, we understand, necessary at one stage of evolution. But at another stage of evolution, this distinction has to go uh, with the vision of the one. Otherwise, we will remain tied, swinging between these two poles. Uh, and the Gita clearly says, and other scriptures also, that if you want to go to the one, you have to renounce even the highest heavens. So here comes this line, the, these, this passage. His being is a mystery beyond mind. His ways bewilder mortal ignorance. The finite in its little sections parked, amazed, credits not God's audacity, who dares to be the unimagined all, and see and act as might one infinite. So we create conceptions of a good God. So God is good. So what about things which are not good? They are devil. <laughs> Poor fellow. Somebody has to <laughs> take the blame. Take the blame. <laughs> but he dares to be the unimagined all. Yes. So we create this division between these two poles. And he but uses the word audacity. Audacity. <laughs> now look at it. Against uh, there's a lot of humor in Savitri. You know, there can be a whole uh, book so. on humor in Savitri. Now look at it. Against human reason, this is his offense, being known to be forever unknowable, <laughs> to be all and yet transcend the mystic whole, absolute, to lodge in a relative world of time, eternal. And all-knowing to suffer birth, omnipotent to sport with chance and fate, spirit yet to be matter and the void, illimitable beyond form or name, to dwell within a body, one and supreme, to be animal and human and divine. So how beautifully Shubhendu says that we have to come out of this mentality of either or. He is all this that is and he is beyond all that is. And the human mind cannot understand because it compartmentalizes everything. So either he is transcendent or he is here caught up in the web of nature. The beauty is he is both at the same time. And that's why... The Gita speaks of the three statuses of the divine which are simultaneous. One in the mutable becoming, the shara, where you know, things which are ever changing. Now this is again very practical. So if you understand that in this ever changing world, there is yet the divine presence inside. Then it becomes very beautiful and full of hope because then change becomes meaningful. <laughs> and honestly, ever changing world is, is the great hope of humanity. People are afraid of change. But imagine if the world was never changing. We will all be stuck wherever we are. 
<laughs> stuck with our relatives, stuck with whoever is in our lives. But because it's an ever unchanging, ever changing world, there is hope. So there is the divine who has entered into the mutable becoming. And that's why even in nature, which is full of change, there is a sense of joy because he is there in the mutable becoming. Then the second is Akshara. He is the stable spirit behind all things. He doesn't enter into the play. He doesn't enter into time and space. Extends himself as time and space. But not only this, the divine is beyond both the mutable and the immutable. He is the Purushottama, the one being who transcends all. So this simultaneity of the threefold status of the divine mind finds it very difficult. Because it says either he is that or this. But the divine entering into the human play, suffering birth and it's not just about the avatar. Even within us, the, the psychic being in everyone is essentially in its origin divine. It enters into the play, gets entangled, identified. And why? Because, well, so that everything can eventually be transformed into the divine image. That is the purpose which is not being revealed here. But for the mind, this is uh, because philosophers want a logically consistent thing. Then comes something still deeper. A still deep sea, he laughs in rolling waves. So we have the image of the universal and the individual. The universal consciousness is like the still deep sea. And the individual is rolling waves. And in, and it's such a beautiful image. I think uh, perhaps that is one <coughs> readily available meditation for all of us. Uh, we are by the side of the sea. <laughs> so <laughs> it is teaching us every day this beauty and wonder. And then something even better. Universal, he is all. Transcendent, none. So I understand it in this way. There are many images which may come. That there is the sea, there are the waves. And there is the being of the sea. Now being of the sea is not captured by any of this. Always something will remain. And yet because of the being of the sea, there is the sea and the waves. So in that way I understand the relation of the transcendent, the Purushottama with the universal and the individual. So it is the being of the sea which is beyond uh, grass, beyond it's, it's an intangible tangibility in the sense that it's real. But we can't see it by looking at the sea. We can't see by at the way. We can indirectly decipher. Probably indirectly we can draw an inference. But from that being's perspective when we say, the being will say it is me who has become the universe, the ocean, and it's me who has become the waves. So, so the duality of mind cannot grasp. Cannot grasp. That's it. So that's the whole catch of and he goes still further and here comes the master stroke. Almighty beyond good and evil to dwell. Leaving the good to their fate in a wicked world. And evil to reign in this enormous scene. So this is his crime against man's righteousness. How is it that... Look, Shurabindu is a spiritual realist. He doesn't close his eyes and say, no, 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 it is a very fair and just world. It is not. So if God is really fair and just ruler, the way we conceive of him, who is busy doing justice, then 
it should not happen so in indian thought you try to explain it away by saying that you know you have done some sin karma yeah so shobindo says there is something still deeper which we don't understand so he says yes it is true that in this world many times we see good are left at the fate of the wicked who are the evil doers and uh, you know spiritual history of mankind is full of such instances the famous instances of you know i think few days back there was um, the sikh guru's life some of them just imagine that the the one of the gurus i think it was guru gobind singh or was it tek bahadur who had tremendous faith faith in the lord and the two children were buried alive by the mughal ruler and he continued to have the faith they were first made to sit on hot oven and then you know buried alive he didn't let his faith go another guru who was beheaded he sick guru imagine you know because they very heroic um, that's why shubindo praises sikhism at one place is first effort to form a spiritualized society but of course it failed because later on it like every other religion got lost into the forms and of course the supramental truth is not there but uh, look at uh, what a tremendous sense it must be and what a tremendous suffering and the interesting part is the son tells his father son who becomes the guru later on when the father says that india can be free provided some noble person noble man comes forward and sacrifices himself this is also a mystery of human sacrifice it's something like christ sacrificed humanized europe yes. so the son 9 year old boy says father who can be more noble than you i have tears in my eyes when i think of that imagine a 9 year old child saying father who can be more noble than you these are the ideals which need to come into the race and the father says yes and he then challenges aurangzeb that look you can convert if you convert me i promise you that my 10000 followers and everybody will accept and embrace islam and if you fail to convert me then we stand ground and he tried everything from lure punishment at the end beheading but he died taking the name of the lord that thou art compassionate and great another unparalleled instances of christ yes so we see that these are facts of you know our outer life and yet there is something which is happening through this process these are beings who have come and entered into the holocaust so that evil can change itself into something beautiful because even there in its core the divine dwells so here but shervindo brings out the paradox that this is his crime to man's righteousness this is his cosmic crime almighty beyond good and evil to dwell leaving the good to their fate in a wicked world and evil to reign in this enormous scene because thus alone the soul could grow in strength and bring out its innate power is a line in savitri describing the psychic being it says it drinks experience like a strengthening wine, wine. so even the better things of bitter things of life are to help the soul grow they are like a tonic or maybe like the bitter medicines we give and the better experiences 
are also to bring out another dimension and aspect of the soul. So if we focus on this one thing, the soul's journey towards the one, then all the other things and start seeing the divine behind all these things, then life becomes beautiful and everything becomes wonderful. But the moment we lose sight of that and see the many and separateness and distinguishedness at its peak, me and me alone and I alone, then life is miserable. So here we have this wonderful. All opposition seems and strife and chance. Mark the word seems, sometimes one word. <laughs> it seems, it's not true. An aimless labor with but scanty sense to eyes that see a part and miss the whole. Because we do not know what's going to come. You know, just before I came, somebody told me something very interesting. Of course, he was not sharing it in that sense. But that's the thought which was coming to me. He was coming from a project in Kadalore where post-tsunami, you know, tsunami, many persons died and Kadalore was devastated. He said, you know, help Age India and uh, they have built, uh, you know, residences for people. He was saying very well-built residences. And of course, very interestingly, he said something very, it just slipped out. Mm. He said, you know, uh, NDTV and then he corrected the NDTV viewers because money is theirs. <laughs> they are the ones who contributed and they <clears throat> built lovely houses. Mm. And then the person who has designed it has made a model where there will be, let's say, four houses in which two would be families who are very well, one will be disabled and the fourth one who needs care. So I was just thinking of all this and what was going on within me that look, you know, the tsunami turned into a blessing subsequently that not only there is rehabilitation in better homes for the coming generations. At the same time, there is a new concept which has come, which possibly didn't exist in the community that we have to take care of each other. So look, but because somebody is seeing only that part, tsunami would say, my God, what a devastation. Where is God? Where is God? But somebody who sees the whole picture says, my God, wow, he could use this disaster to develop the sense of care for each other in this way. It happened everywhere. A lot of people, I mean, I think in Auroville, they made tsunami cars and mm -hmm. sold to contribute. So there, when we see only a part, we don't understand the play. This surface, men scan, the depths refuse their search. A hybrid mystery challenges the view or a discouraging, sordid miracle. Hybrid mystery of good and bad or or the, or or uh, evil fruit, poisonous fruit coming up on a beautiful <laughs> tree or vice versa, a lovely flower coming up uh, in thorny bushes like the rose. So it's a hybrid view and discouraging sordid miracle universe is a miracle drifting galaxies in sky what a wonderful lamps lit suddenly at night they start lighting one two four five hundreds millions but somebody would say but what is the use of all this so discouraging sordid miracle <laughs> but there is a mystery which we do not fathom Yet in the exact inconscience, stark conceit. Now look at here. <clears throat> yes, it's deceitful. And yet behind it, there is something that yet is yet to come. In the casual error of the world's ignorance, 
ए प्लान हिडन इंटेलिजेंस इज क्लिप्ड सो दैट रिकनसाइल्स ऑल्सो द डिबेट बिटवीन डिजाइन और इवोल्यूशन वेल इट्स नॉट इन दैट सेंस दैट डिजाइन मीन्स गॉड सडनली क्रिएटेड एवरीथिंग एंड बिहाइंड इवोल्यूशन यू कैन सी ए डिजाइन अदरवाइज फ्रॉम डस्ट टू मैन थ्रू कैजुअल एरर नंबर ऑफ म्यूटेशंस यू नो समाइम बैक लॉन्ग बैक द साइंटिस्ट एट सेट इट्स यू नो इट्स वेरी इजी टू हैव लाइफ ऑन अर्थ ऑन एनी प्लैनेट यू जस्ट नीड दिस कॉम्बिनेशन then they kept on working no no many other things because it never got this experiment never worked out so they started thinking of uh, no what are the other things other factors other forces finally they came up with a mind boggling one multiplied by god knows how many zeros the chance of having the odds of having life on anywhere in creation the chances are so 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 rare that you would call it an impossibility so many things have to come together and yet this is precisely how it happens through all the random steps and mutations and errors it's so strange so here he, he is saying the, he uses the word exact exact yes at the right moment yes things happen and you feel at that point of time <clears throat> oh it is so horrible so terrible but we don't know that this is the beginning of something else we are transiting to another wonderland and so it's it's amazing you know there is a purpose in each stumble and fall this is ultimate vedanta otherwise that fellow fell his karma he rose his tapasya <laughs> and look wonderful line where shobindo combines the most uh you know casual word and puts it in savitri Lulling. lifting its <laughs> meaning to what level one such word is where he uses the word loiters now you know you don't yeah. loiter is not a very poetic word that no. way but shervind uses in nature's instruments loiter secret word you can't imagine there could be a more perfect word <laughs> loiter you know it's always used in a negative sense yes. when i was growing up then dad would say don't loiter around like this yeah. <laughs> you know as if yeah. no no loitering no no loitering <laughs> god is loitering god is loitering in you know uh, in nature's instruments uh, waiting for his chance suddenly he will show up now here is this line nature's most careless lolling is a pose now what is lolling <laughs> lolling is you know what sometime back you said you know what happened you were sitting casually lazily and suddenly you know you are uh, probably after a big meal you are just taking like a siesta uh, lolling is a very strange word you know and this lolling is a pose <laughs> uh, you don't know what's going to happen next moment a sudden surprise so, so we are a genius for lolling yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his letters, he says, "I have a genius for lolling." For lolling, Shishu in the says that I have a genius for lolling. You know, and there's people like some sometimes something you just casually, you know, slip off into sleep. Now here he's saying nature's most careless lolling is a pause, a pose. pose, and behind this pose and lolling, stumble and fall, there's an intelligence which is at work, and it looks like error, it looks like conceit, it looks like deceived, but no, it looks like. there is a truth which is working behind
preparing some forward step some deep result next moment this stone which was lying idly god knows lolling for centuries some passer by comes picks it up and sees and says ah this stone i can see a lovely image here and carries home and carves a wonderful image out of it this is uh, the story of jagannath you know the temple is built from a special uh, wood the man saw in dream i think uh, some of you may know the story the man got a dream that the wood is a special kind of wood which will you will get now how the wood will come he doesn't know and he goes to the sea and the wood comes uh, washed by the waves on the shore now i found this story very interesting you know why particularly like this now here there is a deep symbol in it <clears throat> that the wood which is was drifting god knows in the sea for how long aimlessly was actually to be used for preparing an idol which will be revered and worshiped for centuries so that's how nature's most careless lolling is a pose i like to take up this line for a moment ingenious notes plugged into a motive score yes you you well, you see this is pure music yeah <laughs> ingenious notes okay the score this is goes with the om choir so can you read out <laughs> okay. and you know exactly yes <clears throat> these million discords dot the harmonious theme of the evolution's huge orchestral dance wow this this reminds me of the way uh, you know when you conduct the om choir you use this word that there is there are no discordant notes yes and people spontaneously plug in yes isn't it something like yes. that so the motive score it's already written yes but now the central plugging, point is plugging in yes. these notes yes yes changes everything so we think it is discordant <clears throat> yes even somebody asks you abindo about discordant notes and offensive smells even there he said <laughs> the divine is there behind all i mean it's amazing we just can't uh, imagine or understand in tantra of course uh, they are taught this truth in a very strange way we don't have to go through that but <laughs> tantrics because they have to discover the one uh, otherwise you cannot practice in tantra behind all energies you have to discover the one divine energy so in vedanta because it's inward process you don't have to you know deal with nature as it is you cut through nature but in tantra you go through nature so what do you do with uh, you know so the one of the last steps is that that which repels you most you have to actually eat it now you know yeah it's it's there in vedanta i mean in tantra so ha uh, so one of them is like uh, uh, human flesh you know they are in ujjain when i had gone uh, there are tantric yogis who at evening they will come out and half dead uh, half burnt bodies they will drag and they will uh, eat it uh, yeah i know it shrinks and will will horrified to think about it but this is their way to get over the sense of repulsion if you see the ishopanishad it describes that that tato na vijugupsate he who sees the one in all becomings now they they try to do it literally and practically uh, like they try with those five uh, taboo things also to see mm-hmm. the god in all those things so uh, 
when Ramakrishna was asked to do this, when he was doing Tantra Sadhana, he found it very difficult. He said, I'm eating human flesh. Uh, even though he is a Bhakta of Kali. So, this Guru told, okay, you can eat a little bit of feces, which is also part of the human body, some excreta. So, he tasted it. You know, it's to get over that sense of, of course, this very weird. We should not be doing it. But sometimes when I see people who do these things uh, in madness, I wonder whether mm. they have touched something which is too big for them and they have lost their mind. Because that is the deeper truth which is concealed behind the play of duality. And by the way, this is not recommended in Shobhindra's Yoga. I must mention mm. that <laughs> these practices, we arrive at that through a different means altogether. But Shobhindra says, by the method of Vedanta, to the aim of Tantra and that's why the other day in that Hindi talk I was sharing that through Shurabindo here we go to the mother because through Vedanta we go to the fulfillment of Tantra you'll see most of the people in this yoga they have first been drawn by Shurabindo some writing some touch something they have heard the name you will always hear Sri Aurobindo Ashram you will not hear mother's ashram but when you come here, Shurabindo's books, everybody will recommend. At the end, you discover it is Mother's Yoga, Mother's Ashram. You say, my God, why didn't they say this initially? <laughs> because through Vedanta, we go to the Mother. So even in, in the practical arrangement, he has ensured that the arrangement stays. Because otherwise, Mother is so vast everywhere. You can't handle. And when she comes into the place, she takes away everything. All the lids are blown. And she handles all the energies of nature and turns them into a marvel because she is the alchemist energy. And then last three lines, then we'll stop for today. Four lines. These million discords dot the harmonious theme of the evolution's huge orchestral dance. We don't see that because we have a limited vision. And one simple example of this in nature is uh, you know, the rolling of the sea waves or simply if you go into the jungle, you see all these birds which are chirping. Now, they don't know music. Nobody has taught them this raga or that raga. But if you stay for some time, you start feeling a sense of harmonious notes or just the sound of the sea. Why does it sound music? Simply because of the, even in the tornado, actually, there is like a drum beat, a very powerful war music which is Drowning you, frightening you, but there is a music. So in nature, when we look at the large scale, then you see music. But if you just see the roar of a lion, then it's fear. But even in that, there is a music even in isolated roar. But when you see all the sounds coming together, even the sounds in space, and then these beautiful lines always to be remembered, a truth supreme has forced the world to be. The world is not a chance, not an accident, not some inexplicable maya, a truth supreme. A truth supreme has forced the world to be. It has wrapped itself in matter as in a shroud. A shroud of death. A shroud of ignorance. And here comes the last bit of practical guidance that Savitri gives us. When we see appearances of life, disease and death and misery, we should have the courage and the faith to say, this is but an appearance. This is not the real. 
the real is the one who is hiding behind this shroud and we should have the power to say take away your mask oh beloved i would want you to wear a more beautiful mask befitting you why are you coming to me in the mask of a <laughs> terrible mask it doesn't behove you because we can play with him no he will like it he will surely like it shivinda says that that you know initially uh, something to do with sin and this thing he would feel ashamed every time he would fall then he saw that it is krishna the trickster behind it and then next time it would happen he would say that you know i would pardon him that you are playing with me now you see the whole thing changes the perspective changes and then sin and evil leave our lists and our soul is free so we'll there stop a, here today there was a disciple in the ashram who had done something and mother was not pleased with it and mother started to walk upstairs and he said mother you cannot deny me your grace and your love and mother came down <laughs> you know with shobindo it was always that whenever somebody did something stealing and all this many yes, things shobindo yes, would uh, niroda right writes that very beautifully that we would go to shirbindo and he would look at us and then he'll say give him a last chance uh, then rodha says and we knew that his last would be <laughs> indefinite <laughs> if the lord uh, gives up on us then where is the hope <laughs>